What does a frog princess, a courtroom trial lawyer, and cattle ranching all have in common? Find out as I interview Charlotte Frost on today's episode. Welcome to the Fabulous at 50 podcast, where we are changing the aging narrative. I'm your host, Joanne Newaduck, and I'm thrilled to bring you stories that matter and celebrate your place in the world. As an advocate for lifelong learning, health, and women's empowerment, I believe it's never too late to live the life you've always imagined. Through lively and informative interviews with inspiring guests, we'll explore a wide range of topics relevant to our global sisterhood of vibrant, inquiring women just like you. Join me for today's episode and let's start changing the aging narrative together. Welcome to today's show. I'm so glad that you joined us. I have a wonderful guest here and I'm just going to read you a little bit of her bio and you will agree to. After 35 years on the road as a courtroom trial lawyer in 2020, Sharla J. Frost stepped away from the active practice of law to pursue creative writing, public speaking, and legal counseling. She has since published Power at the Table. That is a business development guide for women lawyers. And The Frogville Quest, a series of three children's books featuring a female protagonist. Charlotte serves as an expert witness in some litigation cases and continues to represent certain longtime clients and sister manage a family's fourth generation cattle ranch in rural Oklahoma. So Sharla, you and I met back in March at a wonderful business retreat in Florida, and we had so much fun while we were there. I know I really enjoyed uh, connecting with you and hearing about your background. Sorry. There is something going a little wacky. Siri is interrupting when I don't want her to. It happens. It happens, right? So. Yeah. Technology. Yeah. Right oh, when it works. Crazy. Exactly. So, Sharla, you and I met when we were at a wonderful business retreat down in Florida. And I know that we just hit it off and we really enjoyed having our conversations, but I felt like there was never enough. So I was absolutely over the moon that you were able to join me today. And we can dive into some of these really, I think, amazing steps that you've taken. There's not many people can say, yeah, I've been, you know, I would, I'm going to go and say a pretty high powered lawyer and go, I'm stepping away to talk about frog princesses, which I think is so cool. (laughs) But that's what we're going to be talking about today. So why don't we, first of all, before we get into those conversations, I'm looking at your background, share where you are right now. That looks absolutely beautiful. I am on the south porch of my ranch that I call Frogside, uh, spelled like Versailles with frog, uh, in uh, Choctaw <laughs> County, Oklahoma. So you can see behind me the, the, the sky and the, some of the trees. Yeah, that is wonderful. And you live on the ranch with? Who? Uh, my long-term partner, Skip, and yeah. a whole host of cats and cows. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, I'm curious, have you always lived there 
Or, or did you move back there after you retired and stepped away from your active law practice? I actually technically split my time between here and Houston. I had always practiced from Houston, Texas as my okay. home base. And I, I grew up five miles from here. My parents' ranch property is just that way. And so when I had more time to spend, I bought property here and have spent time here as much as possible. Amazing. Amazing. Now, as we go through today's interview, you know, I really, the three things that stand out, your lawyer, you know, when you had an active practice as a courtroom trial lawyer, which is pretty high demanding, high paced type work. You are the author of a book for lawyers and an author of children's books. I want to dive into that first for a minute, because I know I have a bit of a little dream to write a uh, children's book. I have a story that I used to tell my children all the time. And you've really given me some inspiration here. Tell me how that came about. Like, how did you go from being a lawyer to writing these children's books? Well, when I was an active lawyer, I I had my own firm for a very long time, a partner of mine, and I did a lot of business development training for, for my lawyers, male and female, because what I discovered was that in the legal business, they expect you to ve- develop business, but nobody trains you how to do that, and there were no resources. So when I retired, my first project was to write the book I wished I'd had. Hold it a little bit more in the center, just so we can see it. Okay, Power at How's the that? Table power at the table. Wonderful. We'll put these links and the names in the uh, show notes for everyone. Okay. So right after I retired, a friend of mine from who is also a graduate of my little high school, uh, a little bit older than me, but he was an author. And I said, you know, I've really always wanted to write a book. And he said, if you don't start today, you'll never get it done. So I'm signing (laughs) you up for a class on Monday. It starts on Monday in eight weeks, you'll have a book written. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. You know, the world has closed, so why not? And I took the materials that I had put together through all those years of training, and I thought I was just going to do this, and I was going to have a book put together. Well, of course, it doesn't work quite like that. I did put it together, and I read through it and went, oh, that's terrible. So then I spent time uh, refining it. I worked with a publisher, uh, the guy who did the school. And then after we got the book published, I sat down with him and he said, what did you think about the process? And I said, yeah, I really kind of enjoyed it. I think I might want to do another one. And he said, did you ever think about children's books? And I said, well, no, actually, I don't have children. Interesting. Interesting. And he said, well, during COVID, the only thing that's selling are children's books. You're from Frogville, of all places. Uh, have okay, you ever thought about Frogville. a Frogville book? Frogville. Frogville. I love that name. Yeah. Frogville, Oklahoma. So then that was the source of the first children's book. And it. it's, it's a wonderful uh, book. It's a, it's a fairy tale. I loved fairy tales as a children, as a as a children. I loved fairy tales when I was a child. And so I thought I could probably do this. And I worked with his team and we did the first one. And I thought, I enjoyed that. We'll do a second one. And well, I didn't have my people home yet because Lily turns into a frog when she's 13 and has to go on to on a quest to get a royal kiss 
to save herself and her people. Except she discovers along the way that it's not really a royal kiss that you need. You need friends. Amazing. That was the source of the first one. And since she wasn't home yet, uh, there was a second one. And, well, she wasn't quite home after the second one either. So the third one, the most recent one, which we did in blue instead of green, so it matches my jacket, um, gets her almost home. So there may be a fourth one. Oh, exciting. Well, I now need to get the second one, you know, (laughs) because the first one is marvelous. And I just, I'm fascinated. I must admit, I made an assumption that you were like many people that are, you know, you have this book and this idea for a children's story, and you've always longed to write a children's story. I love that you were prompted to write a children's story. It seemed like the right thing to do. It's the story Mm -hmm. of my life. Uh, It's like, yeah, I might as well give it a try. Uh, And I, I tried it and liked it. So it was time for the next one. Yeah. I think that's absolutely marvelous. Now I'm going to, I hope I don't put you on the spot here, but I remember a story you told me um, about when you decided I am packing up my practice and I'm going into something else. At that time, you wanted to write a book and and I know we can talk a little bit more. You want to do more legal counseling and I know you're wonderful on a stage uh, presenting to people. And so you've got lots of dreams still to pursue. But I, you told me something about you made a post. I think it might've been in LinkedIn or something like that. And you had the most hits on it because you realized you really connected with people. What did you say in that post? Well, I said that after all these years and after spending 300 nights a a year on the road, because that's what you do if you're a trial lawyer. And I was actually first chair trial lawyer. I was the one responsible for saying, yes, we're ready to go. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why my client shouldn't have to pay all this money. Uh, I was ready to be done. And so I announced to the world that I was ready to do something different. And I had just turned 58. I was at the top of my game. I had been, I had had the top verdict in the entire United States the, the year before. And that was lovely, wow. but I was done. It was really time to do something else. And I was fascinated by the fact that people just came out of the woodwork. I I do lots of LinkedIn posts as we do, and I do uh, lots of social media. I have never had the sort of response that I got from everyone from childhood friends to clients saying, basically, good for you. I, I wouldn't have been brave enough to do that. And I don't know if it was bravery or folly, but it was just time. <laughs> and you know, that's okay. It was just time. Uh, you I, were following it was just what time. you needed. Yeah. Yeah. I think you told me now, I don't know what the actual quote was, but I think you might've said something like I'm going off to do something fun. Yes. And I was, it was time I'd worked really hard. Uh, and it was time to do something fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so inspirational because quite often we get, and, and your career was amazing. And it's not that you regret, Oh, that's the career. And I don't want it anymore. It's just that it was coming to a closure. It was, as you said, it was time to move on to something new. And, you know, it takes a wise person, I think, to end something when you're at your top of your game. 
right? And it's, to move on and and move to a different summit. It is, but so much better to go out when you're on top of your game yeah. than when you can't do it anymore. Exactly. Uh, I, I've seen lots of people who, as they say, get past their prime. They were great and now they're okay and they're yeah. tending towards not okay. And I think yeah. you have to have fire in the belly, particularly to do trial work. And that's yeah. true, which no matter which side of the V you're on, I never did plaintiff's work. So I never had that drive to, to correct the world. I was fighting to, to make sure the world stayed kind of the way it was. Uh, <laughs> but you have to have that inherent belief that what you're doing makes a huge difference to the world. And I was never going to be on the Supreme Court. I was doing, I, I won many more cases than I lost. But for every one that I won, uh, that just meant that there was another one in the pipeline. So I wasn't changing the world. I was doing something that was fun and exciting and very important to my clients. And I think important to the system because mm -hmm. it, it you need balance. You, you need the opportunity to say, I know that's what they ask for, but they're not entitled to it. And it's okay to do that. But yeah. it was just time. I was ready to do something else. And I was fortunate. Yeah. I had good mentors when I was young. So I didn't spend all the money and I wasn't a Starbucks fan. So I didn't uh, run up a ton of debt, uh, getting a good <laughs> coffee every morning. And I was in a position to be up. able to do that. Does yeah. that. It does. Yeah, I read that well, study. Yeah. It's oh, crazy. it's crazy. Small yeah. numbers add up to big numbers. Lots of small numbers add up to big numbers is something I was told. And it really is something to look at. Now, I'm curious because you've already, you know, you've already done a lot since you retired in three years to produce, you know, four books and, or to publish four books. And I know that you're doing, um, pursuing a speaking career and you're doing some legal counseling, but I'm curious, what else is in your bucket list? I would love to do a TED talk. I don't know why okay. I just want to do one. Uh, that that's something that's on my list. Um, I would like to get back to some horseback riding, something I did as a child. Mm, and I don't okay. currently have a rideable horse. Uh, I have 800 acres of land and lots of cattle and no horse I can ride. So that that's something I'd like to do. And the cattle's and very, probably not too good to ride, hey? <laughs> mm, yeah, not, yeah, not really. No, not and really. I would like to do some traveling. I, I never nice. had the opportunity to travel as much as I liked. And all, all of my foreign language skills are dreadful. My French hurts people's ears. My Spanish is incomplete. My Russian consists of Strasfuche, which is basically hello. Uh, but I would like to, to travel and see some of those places that I'd, I'd read about all my life. Mm -hmm. Do you have, what would be your top three countries that you would like to go to first? If someone waved a magic wand and said, off you go now. Oh, I would go back to France in a heartbeat because I've not seen the south of France. Okay. Uh, I was beautiful. I would, like to, I would like to go to Ireland. I did genealogy mm -hmm. research and discovered that unbeknownst to me, uh, some of my relatives apparently swam off of the, the Ire Isles uh, in the like 1700s to come mm -hmm. here. So I'd like to go there. And I would like to see uh, Germany and that area because I've never been there. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'm with you with having some relatives from Ireland. I definitely had some family that came over in the 1700s as well. And I have had the privilege of being there several times. And it's a fantastic country to travel around. You'll absolutely love it. So I really, that that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So I have another question for you because I know just listening to you talk and, and the other conversations we have, like you hold a lot of wisdom, I believe in, in the way you've conducted your life and the number of people you've um, been around. You've got a fly attacking. You've got a fly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love on the set interviews, you know, like on, in, in, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm just curious, what what's the greatest lesson or one of them, um, life lesson that you've ever had that you'd like to share? I think the probably the greatest lesson is that life continues. Uh, mm-hmm. No matter how difficult things seem today, uh, tomorrow is a new day. And mm-hmm. you just have to keep at it. You, you can't give up. I never had the luxury of being able to give up. My parents mm-hmm. were working class people. Uh, I needed to work. I worked uh, starting in junior high school. I always, I've always had a job. Uh, my first job didn't work out, so I needed to find a new one. My first big client went bankrupt. I had to find wow. a new one. The law changed in Texas, so the work that we did went away. I had to find something new for me to do and for the people who worked for me to do. But you have to get up every day and no matter what it looks like or how horrible it feels, you just have to pick up and move on. The people who have the luxury mm-hmm. of not doing that uh, probably have trust funds and and other supports that the rest of us just don't have. So I think my biggest life lesson has just been you, you just have to keep doing it, whatever it yeah. is. Resilience, you know, a resilience yeah. and that inner determination that it can get better. Life goes up and down and what a, what a beautiful lesson. I mean, really, I can't say that it wasn't hard learned. <laughs> like it right. sounds, I mean, when you hear what you had to go through, but you have such a grace about you in, you know, life happens as they say. And it's like, we're just going to find another path when you're in the jungle. If there's no obvious path, you need to make one yourself. And I think you've done that quite well. Now I have a question that I, I do frequently like to ask is, did you notice as you were going through life, as you approach midlife, shall we say, Mm -hmm. kind of hitting that 50 mark and going through menopause and all of that, did you notice a change in your attitude, a shift in your life? Did you keep going or did you, did you already as a younger woman possess that drive and determination? I don't really think that much changed for me. I, I, a friend of mine told me I had an old soul when I was about 17 and I didn't have any idea what that meant. Uh, (laughs) But I, I think what that meant was I was fairly determined at a young age. So uh, I don't think there was a lot different. I will say that as I've gotten a, a bit older, uh, I care less about what others think. And that probably changed more significantly for me over time. Uh, yeah. I have learned that what the others think about what I do and how I do it 
really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Yeah. As they say, they're, if you wouldn't take their advice, why should you take their opinion? And that, oh, I love that's, that. something, that's something that I think I learned later in life. And it makes a tremendous difference. You can sleep a lot better at night if you're not worried about what someone else thinks. Thank you so much for say that again. If you would not take someone's advice, why would you take, take their, their opinion? opinion. Yeah. That is a great way of putting it. And you are not alone. Almost every guest I have in some form or another says that. So if you're a younger woman out there and you're still worrying about what other people think, instead of truly following your heart and doing what you need, know that it will shift. There's something magical as you get older where sometimes the right. filter falls off and there really is a bit more of a, I don't need to be dealing with this. So that that's fantastic. So going with that, you were talking about your 17 year old self and you were yes. already an old soul. However, if you could go back as your own guardian angel and give some advice to your younger self, what would, what would you give? I would probably say that, uh, you should worry less and enjoy more. One of the mm. reasons that I needed to do something fun when I was hitting 60s uh, is that I didn't do as much of that uh, when I was younger because there was always something that had to be done. There was a mm. trial mm -hmm. or there was a crisis or that there was a something. And uh, I don't think people should necessarily be frivolous, but I could have taken a few weeks and and gone to, to Ireland or traipsed further around Paris with my bad French and asked for directions. Uh, those, mm -hmm. are, those are things that I wish that I had done more of. When you were there. Yeah. It's, it's that balance. Yeah. That drive and determination and, and building a wonderful career is amazing. And, but balancing in. So that takes me to a lot of, a lot of what we talk about with fabulous at 50 and fabulous health is about that self-care. And if you haven't already learned how to be doing it by this time, you know, at least jumping in wholeheartedly, because I think as we get into our fifties and into our sixties, we, we take a long, hard look and go, I, I need to be taking care of myself. What, what do you do? What do you consider self-care for yourself? Well, I'm a very poor role model on that uh, uh -oh. because I, I, I hate exercise. I always, what I called group sweating back, back in the <laughs> days when aerobics was popular. Uh, I was in law school and I had some friends who went religiously at three times a week. I went once and I was like, this is just not for me. Um, I tried to eat fairly well. I, I never did drugs, so I didn't have to worry about that. Uh, I don't take a lot of pharmaceuticals. One, I'm allergic to most of them. And two, I just don't think they're good for you if you can avoid them. I try yeah. to eat well and uh, try to do things in moderation. When I was in college, I had a wonderful colleague. He had dropped out of college, actually, the year I was born, and had come back to finish the loop, as he put it. He had lived oh, in a, a Hindu ashram for years. And uh, he and I had a long talk one day and he said, you must understand that all things in moderation make man a good man and it will make you a good woman. So nice. don't overeat, don't overdrink, don't overdo uh, moderation. I thought 
that's a strange thing for someone to say, except it was wonderful advice. And yeah. he was right about that. And that's, that's yeah. the best I could do. I need to do more exercise, but <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that we get talking about is that self-care isn't always about those obvious things. I'll point out one of the things that I think you do for self-care is you follow what your heart, you're listening to your own in, intuition. You're following what your heart is pulling you towards, right? Like self-care was that you said, I'm, I am now complete with my law practice and I'm moving on to something else. I want to write a book. I want to do these other things. To me, that is part of self-care. It is what what fills us up beyond just the physical, what fills our mind up, what excites us. So I think you're actually a wonderful example of it, but just on a different angle when we look at it on a different angle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good about yeah. following my own drummer. Yeah. 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 What's next for you? What's next? You talked about maybe doing a fourth book. What else right. is, uh, you know, maybe pursuing a TED Talks? Um, what else might be out there for you next? Well, one of the things that I've always really wanted to do was more public speaking. I was a debater mm -hmm. in college. Uh, my very first public speech was a 4-H speech when I was in fifth grade. I actually, I'm a pack rat. So I was going through some things recently and found my little certificate. where uh, I got a blue ribbon when I was 12 <laughs> years old for talking about how to do business accounting, which is interesting because wow. I know nothing about business accounting. <laughs> But um, I would like to do more speaking and I would like to do more to help train particularly young women on how to develop business and business skills. That was something I knew nothing about. I was an English and speech double major. I still remember the first report I got from the accounting service when we opened the law firm and I held it up like this. And then I held it up like this. I couldn't even read it. It was a graph. I didn't know if it went this way or this way. Uh, wow. And you learn those things, but they are hard lessons to learn. And I would like to help people shortcut some of that. People like me who were first generation college students don't come from that background. So mm -hmm. I would like to spend some time working on that. And I just enjoy speaking to crowds. That was my favorite Wonderful. part of being a trial lawyer was picking juries. It was like a blind date with a hundred new people. And I got <laughs> to talk to all of them. And unfortunately, some of those didn't work out very well, but, uh, but it was fascinating. I love the opportunity love to meet and interact with new people. And that's something that I think I'm good at. And I would like to do more of. Amazing. Amazing. Well, before we wind up, I always love to end each segment with asking my guest, what three pearls of wisdom would you like to share that has guided you throughout your life or that, you know, you can either do it in general, or it could be specifically to speaking to younger women that are perhaps in corporate or law? Well, I think the first one would be and this was advice that the almost 80-year-old lawyer gave me when I started my, my own firm. He's the only lawyer I knew, so I went and talked to him. He was a friend of my dad's. And he said, you're young and you're healthy. Sometimes you just have to close your eyes and jump. Mm -hmm. And that was fabulous advice. And I have followed that advice throughout my life. I suggest that others do as well. Uh, the 
one about if you wouldn't take their advice, yep. don't don't worry about their opinion, I, I think is truly important and is something that we don't focus on enough because we should feel more comfortable that our decisions make sense for us. And then the third thing, I guess, would be be careful about the things you invest in, whether that's monetarily or with your time. Take care of those things that are important to you and that make Mm -hmm. sense for you. They may make sense for someone else, but if they don't make sense for you, that's not a good investment of your life and your time. That's beautiful advice. Charlotte, what a great chat today. I so appreciate you being on and I'd love to talk to you in the future. Maybe when the fourth book comes out, we can meet on here again. Take care, everyone. Yeah, thanks for coming. And if you want to know more about the Fabs of 50 Sisterhood, please um, look up Fabulous at 50 Sisterhood as a group within Facebook. And you can also go to our website, simply fabulousat50.com. And you'll be able to watch this interview there, or you can listen to it on any of your favorite podcast uh, platforms. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. But before you leave, I'm curious, what pearl of wisdom are you taking away from today's episode? I do hope it held some inspiration or information for you to live your best life. If you are not yet part of our sisterhood, I invite you to join our community by visiting our website, fabulousat50.com, and you'll receive a free copy of our ebook, Make Mind Fabulous, 21 Ways to Energize Your Life. It is packed with loads of tips and tricks. Plus, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review to let us know what you think. Remember, keep choosing fabulous. It's never too late to live the life you deserve. Catch you on the next episode.